This is Songwriter, the podcast that turns stories into songs. My name is Ben Arthur. Today's episode features a collaboration between the four-play string quartet and the extraordinary author, Neil Gaiman. I used to think of myself as a writer and a storyteller. These days, I'm not sure quite what I am. I think of myself as a kind of jobbing man of all work. I want to tell lots of different stories in lots of different ways. I feel like one of the great things about being old, I get to look at everything and go, well, I haven't done one of these. So there's something incredibly attractive to me right now about areas of storytelling, ways to tell stories, ways to make people feel that I've not properly explored so far. I just finished this short story and I got a phone call from Sydney Opera House saying, we have this festival going on and we would love it if you would come in and read a story. And we have a string quartet who would underscore and play live while you read. And they sent me a couple of albums by foreplay. And I think it was probably the Doctor Who theme that did it. Listening to a string quartet take apart the Doctor Who theme. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but we will get along just fine. And we were put in a tiny rehearsal space in the back of Sydney Opera House. We spent a day rehearsing. And all of a sudden, I had a string quartet. I mean, obviously, they weren't mine. They were perfectly free to see other authors if they wanted to. But whenever I'd go to Australia, I'd get together with them and we'd do a song or we'd do something funny. And then a few years later, we decided it might be fun just to take The Truth is a Cave and the Black Mountain, which was the thing that I'd read at Sydney Opera House on the road. went on tour, we did a few gigs in America, we went over to the UK, we did a couple of nights at the Barbican, but then at the end everybody seemed to want an encore and we didn't really have an encore. We went and found a song that I'd written. I'd written the lyrics, Ben Folds had written the music for a project called 8 in 8 and it was just a song called The Problem with Saints all about what would happen if Joan of Arc came back from the dead and just started bothering people. We rehearsed it in our lunch hour in the Carnegie Hall, and after that, it just grew. And then somewhere in there, we started talking about a project together, making something big, with art, and also making something that could exist without us. And we started writing songs to be part of that project, which we called Signs. And we had an album's worth of material, and they quietly went on and 
mixed it and mastered it and sent it over to me. And I was like, this is really good. And, and Sean Tan, who is one of my favorite artists, one of my favorite people, just a marvelous Australian artist, um, gave us a painting for the cover of a skull, but a small person on top of the skull sweeping it out. And it felt, ah, this is signs of life. This is what it's all about. still have a very dear friend who was having a succession of miscarriages. Miscarriages by themselves are tragic and hard. We don't have a language to deal with the grief that somebody who has been looking forward to having a baby has to go through when the baby is no more. And, and she'd lost several babies. I wrote a letter to her that became a poem. And it was about that. It was about grief and sharing grief and the metaphor that it kept sort of swimming into was that of the wreckers and and wreckers were they were a peculiarly cornish phenomena in cornwall in the west of england they would do a thing where they would hang lights and these lights would give the illusion of being lighthouses. They would give the illusion of being lit to show ships a safe path. And ships would steer towards the lights, they would think they had a clear path, and instead they would be driven onto the rocks, these sharp, harsh Cornish rocks. And the wreckers would just come down and steal the cargo, sometimes kill people who'd survive, but mostly people didn't even survive because you're on a boat that just got driven onto the rocks and sunk. It was a letter, it was something to reach out with. It was written to say bad things happen and there's nothing I can really do, but I can do these things. I can tell you that I'm here and I can echo your pain with a tiny version of that pain myself. And maybe I can, I can give you this piece of art can give you a smile at a time when smiles are rare. And it's sent out not with a desire to fix anything, just with a desire to be able to say you're not alone. Eighteen years after I wrote that, I wound up in a hotel room in London and uh, my wife was having a miscarriage in upstate New York. And I, it was gonna be a day before I could leave and get back. And just remembering the friends who I had there, I was, I was incredibly lucky in that some friends from New York were staying in the hotel I happened to be staying in. And they took me for walks. We walked through. 
darkened London. And they'd hug me, and they'd shop for little Christmas presents with me, and they'd be there. And, and it helped. It helped in a way that was hard to explain, but just going, there are people there, there's somebody there. And I think that's what the song is about. From here, two members of the band Foreplay join Neil in virtual conversation, and it's worth saying that all music in this episode is by Foreplay, and from here forward, it's from Signs of Life. We knew what we were doing with the title because really the entire idea was something that takes us from birth to death. What are the things that tell you that you're alive? What are the things that tell you that you matter? And how can an elderly author and a vivacious young string quartet combine to give you something you haven't heard before but that may actually leave you thinking. Hi, I am Lara Goodrich and I am violinist, singer, um, but I'm also a bit of a Girl Friday. I do a lot of website and graphic design things in the background and mum... I'm Tim Hollow, um, viola and vocals with Foreplay String Quartet. We've been um, playing together with Lara and my brother Peter and, and, and Shenzo Gregory for uh, over a quarter of a century now. Um, so yeah, I'm a musician, but I'm also an activist um, and a writer and also, yeah, a dad. The fear of going into this room with someone as respected and famous um, as Neil was very frightening and I, I had a lot of fear around, uh, can we do this, are we capable of this? We literally went through the piece of music with Neil two days before a sold out concert hall uh, at the Sydney Opera House. So it was a lot of pressure, there was a lot riding on this. Peter, my brother and I, we came across his work through Sandman and Good Omens initially um, when we were kids. When the opportunity arose to write the score for The Truth is a Cave in the Black Mountains, we absolutely leapt at the chance. So it was incredibly exciting as well as, um, you know, quite intimidating, it must be said. There is something so incredibly collaborative about Neil. Just this kind of open, inviting way of collaborating. He was just so easygoing and lovely and, and supportive and friendly and gave us very constructive feedback and it was just so easy to work with. So often um, authors who are amazing writers aren't necessarily that great at reading their own work. Neil's just magnificent. He's just got such a beautiful musical sensibility to the way he reads. The magic happens when we're in the room, when we're all together 
They are incredibly improvisational. There, there is a sort of a glorious madness to them. In a way, there was something grounding about writing to Neil's words. So in a way, that's a great starting point for us uh, to come together. Um, and again, I don't think we discuss any of it ever. We sit down, we read the poem, we might talk about what it's about, but then one of us will instinctively just start playing. It could be a motive, it could be a rhythm, it could be a reverb with a long note. And it just, we just have a way of listening to each other and starting to explore ideas. The opportunity to work with someone like Neil, whose writing is just so evocative, just opens up this space for us. It's um, yes, it's 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 daunting, it's terrifying in, in so many ways, and then each time, as I said, it's kind of oh wow, what the hell do we do with this? But it just emerges because there's there's something in it. There's this emergent property in it that kind of creates the space to make the music around it. There's a number of places where it's happened the other way around as well, where we've been in a room with Neil and we've been thinking about ideas and the four of us start jamming on something and Neil will sit in the corner of the room with his notepad and write something which just matches the music beautifully. Based on what they were doing, I was like, oh, hang on, it needs a chorus here. So I need to, I need to write a chorus which doesn't exist and it needs to change and shift and become something else. And then I need another verse over here that I don't have. I think what's been one of the great joys of this process of working with Neil is that, you know, we're bowerbirds, which are an Australian bird that just kind of goes and collects whatever the hell and creates its nest out of out of straws and batteries and leaves and, and whatever. We're just always going out there and finding other inspirations and finding other things that we can do. Wreckers is such an intense and emotional piece of writing that Lara and Tim wanted to be sure that they gave it space. You know, some of the things that we've done with Neil are, in, are incredibly kind of complex and, um, and, and deeply involved musical compositions. With this one, we felt a few little melodic and harmonic aspects and some sound effects was kind of all it needed to really draw out the emotion that is that is there in in the poem yeah it felt like almost anything that we was we, we could do was going to be too much so we stripped it right back some of the bowing techniques that we use um, for the wreckers is playing very close to the fingerboard it has a much softer tone to it, a bit muted in a way, because it's not ringing out right in that middle point between the bridge and the fingerboard. He adapts the way that he's reading the poem just so perfectly to us as much as we are accompanying him. The, the idea of the Cornish rocks, the idea of the, the, that kind of, that feeling of, of longing that stretches through the whole poem, 
and the six pomegranate seeds. The idea of Demeter searching the earth for her daughter and her daughter being in the underworld and being allowed to come out in summer on a technicality. You know, it's a, it's a story that I felt resonated with what was happening. Listening to the album, it occurred to me that there are many artists who figure out what they're good at, and they do it over and over again. This is not the case with Neil Gaiman. I'm perfectly willing to fail. It's okay. There's nothing that I've ever done or made that worked brilliantly that I hadn't done twice before, and at least the first one of those would always been a major and embarrassing failure. And I know that that's how you get better. Neil told me that before he used the letter to his friend to create first the poem and then this song, he asked for and received permission from her. I couldn't help asking how she's doing these days and what she thought of the song. She hasn't heard it yet because I want to play it to her when next we are together in person. But I want to be there when I play it to her. And she has, she has a, at this point, a 23-year-old grown daughter, so time has passed. This is Neil Gaiman and Foreplay with The Wreckers. moments of surprise that leave you wrecked. The wreckers on the old black Cornish rocks when there was no moonlight and hard storms pushed the waves and winds to treachery would light their lamps to lure the ships ashore and ships who thought that they were safe and lights were there to guide them home would run aground, all hands lost and stolen by the cold sea. To share the good times is to share the bad times. To share the joy in the fine wine times is to drink the wine down to the bottom of the glass where things are bitter. I will not ask for any glass to pass from me. There are no accidents. Or possibly there are. But things happen because of their nature. And there is no arguing with nature. For she is wise and innocent and cruel, and rage and hurt and pain and blood are hers. 
So we build rituals of mourning and acceptance to walk us through the nights of tears and pain. But nature lost a daughter who remains six seeds of pomegranate dead today. Three things I send you. First, I send these words, that you may use them as a pool of ink to see yourself reflected or see another in, to see faraway things so you do not forget to dream. And then I send you pain, a small pain, to whisper to your pain and keep it company. Last, I send a smile that it might serve you well, and you may hold it in a time when smiles are scarce. Remembering the moonlight on the water. That was Neil Gaiman and Foreplay with their song, The Wreckers. Thanks to Talia Miller for pitching this episode and to Eric Osman for taking over while she was away on maternity leave. Congrats, Talia. The next episode will feature brothers Dan and Bob Bergner. And for your interest, I have a new song out this week called Salem. It's available wherever music streams. Also, I have two live shows coming up in Virginia, in Stanton and Charlottesville on June 9th and 10th. If you're in the area, come say hi. Songwriter is 100% independently produced by Hook and Crook. If you want to support the artists and the producer, please consider getting a premium subscription from Apple or Spotify. You can always get early access to Songwriter at Paste. Just go to Paste Magazine and search for Ben Arthur. And while you're there, check out the Paste Podcast. Last, thanks as always to Rob Reinhardt and Acoustic Cafe.